Hello and welcome to the Rambling to Net Zero podcast. I'm joined today by Bruce Fair to talk about renewable heat. Um, I guess you're well, me waffling on. Very welcome, Bruce. Um, and would you mind introducing yourself, seeing as probably probably, probably better coming from you than, than myself? Yeah, hi, Kian. Cheers. No problem. Yeah, so I'm Bruce. Um, I'm, uh, I just graduated from my Master in uh, Sustainable Energy and I currently working for the city of Amsterdam in the kind of the engineering department or the energy transition department. And, uh, yeah, and I was also an intern with you at Optimized Energy, <laughs> must be, yeah, two or three years ago now. <laughs> I was wondering where you were bring that up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, um, and, and Bruce, just on that, okay, you might have learned very much from myself back in those internship days, but, uh, let's, let's not get into the darts for now anyways. <laughs> Thank you. We won't even mention the dirt. Don't worry. We won't, won't even mention it. <laughs> so, um, as kind of a starter, you can you explain a little bit more about what you're doing at the moment. You're working for the city of Amsterdam, and what what areas you're working in? Yeah, so mostly on sustainable heat. Um, so on kind of the new build projects, like Amsterdam's always expanding. Um, and looking at basically the most sustainable, most efficient uh, means of heating, powering uh, the future, the future builds of Amsterdam. Um, okay. Yeah, and just yeah, in particular through like district heating, for example. Okay, excellent. And, and I suppose winding it back a little bit, you know, can you explain a little bit about kind of the heat sector in general and kind of maybe just just what it is around kind of Europe or further afield, and just and, and especially I suppose given the title. Um, you know, kind of the impact in carbon emissions, for example. Yeah, so heating, it represents a, a massive section of our, our final energy demand and also consequently our emissions. So in the Netherlands, about 88% of homes, they still use natural gas. So it kind of leads to about, yeah, 30 million tonnes of CO2 per year. It's wow. it's similar in the UK in, in the sense that 85 86% of homes use uh, use gas, but yeah, it's 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 a, it's a huge um, sector, and it's also which, which means it's 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 um, responsible for a large amount of our CO2 emissions in uh, yeah in the UK and also the Netherlands. Well, right, D- didn't realise it was that big actually. <laughs> that's that's quite shocking. I'm um, coming to a to come to a pop quiz near you or a pub quiz near you when we get back into them. But that's yeah. that, that's quite alarming actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourteen percent of total emissions in the UK come from space heating, domestic homes alone. All right. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a massive section of our total carbon budget. So so what's the kind of the with you know net, with net zero obviously and all that you know what's the route to decarbonize at the moment or what? I suppose, where, where's the future, where's the arrow for the future aiming at in the whole heat sector? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, there's, there's lots of different um, low-carbon technologies for heating. So heat pumps, for example, um, they're an efficient way, an extremely efficient way of um, heating. Um, also, district heating. So when we have kind of densely populated areas, we can really deliver like large-scale uh, renewable Heat supply to a lot or a large quantity of heat demand in uh, in cities, 
Um, yeah, they're, they're kind of two examples of like uh, low carbon technology, which governments across the EU, they're really, really pushing. Okay. And, and, and you, you say governments, you know, you're, how has this been supported? Is this been, been, been driven from local initiatives, you know, subsidies on a national scale? What's the driving, driving force with these, Bruce? Yeah, I mean, subsidies in the UK, there are, yeah, it's the RHI for um, heat pumps in the Netherlands for district heating, which is basically using like a centralized uh, heat producing unit, like a boiler, distributing heat to like um, uh, different, like can be commercial buildings, can be like residential buildings. Um, The government is, the Dutch government is um, definitely promoting this sector. Uh, really kind of throwing subsidies at it because it can be an extremely efficient way of rapidly decarbonizing and uh, and super efficient and can reduce like uh, local emissions for example create local jobs so it's it's extremely efficient and yeah subsidies are driving this okay and so what's the what's the current setup then like like would you would you been based over in amsterdam what's what's the setup over there yeah so at the moment there's two separate uh, heat networks in Amsterdam. So in the west you have the uh, Vesterport Vanta network, which basically uses the waste incinerator. Um, it's been there for like 20 years, but they recently started um, supplying the heat. So I think now about 40,000 homes in the west. All right. And uh, in the east, it, they use a, a gas CHP, and, uh, and they're both owned by Vattenfall. So, um, yeah, definitely a monopoly, not monopoly position there, which is... I guess one of the problems of, or can be a problem in, with heat networks. So you have kind of monopoly power of the developer. Um, but yeah, so in, in the west we have the, the the waste incinerator, and in the east we have it's basically powered by natural gas. So there are emissions. District heating at the moment is not sustainable, or it's yeah it's not completely sustainable, of course, in Amsterdam. But it is a very efficient way of delivering heat to like loads and loads of you know um, thousands in this in the, in this case thousands of homes yeah absolutely like i remember back in the kind of putting some you know, making this a little bit relevant relevant to myself i'm trying to think of back in of when i was back in ireland i know i was thinking about a few weeks ago that um you know, a lot of the vast majority of our um, heating and even cooking was done on you know without a gas network we were doing it with coal um oil um even peat peat briquettes or, or turf so it was it was quite it's quite amazing when you're seeing even just the efficiencies of this compared, to, and, and even though it's you said a CHP plant and incinerators, that's still a lot better than, than well, well, I suppose than than a lot of places were ten years ago, if they were still using coal and I suppose it's the whole decarbonisation shift. Um, and I might as well put in you mentioned district heating in Amsterdam there, so I just want to make sure you know nobody's confused. And the districts we're talking about to he- here today is in Amsterdam are definitely the district heating. Um, no other districts are are being brought up on this on, the, on, the, on this call today because on, on this podcast in case anybody gets confused but with district heating in Amsterdam you know what's the what's the current situation like so you said that, the, that there's two main feeds and, and they're feeding the vast majority of houses um you know, you know how does that work how does are you able to explain how that all kind of works in, in a kind of a simple way so even I can understand it sure sure yeah so Essentially, district heating, I mean, the technology has been around for like 100 years um, and it's really kind of routine in the Nordic countries. 
And basically it relies on like a centralized heat producing unit, like traditionally like a CHP combined heat and power or a waste incinerator that produce high temperature heat. And there are a series connection of uh, networks, network um, underground pipes, which deliver the uh, the hot water to the customers. And uh, yeah, I mean, these networks can be huge. Like, as I said, the, the Western Heat Network of Amsterdam, you have 40,000 home equivalents. Wow. And, uh, and, but it has quite high losses because if you think about the waste incinerator, it, it produces really high temperature heat and the heat is delivered at about, well, in the transmission backbone, so essentially across Amsterdam, at about 90 degrees and delivered okay. to customers at 70. So over the year, there are about 26, 26 or 27% efficiency losses from the system because it's at high temperature that you're delivering to the customers. And um, and this is kind of one of the transitions in district heating. It's moving from higher temperatures to lower temperatures, so to more efficient and more sustainable networks. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's essentially the, the really, really basics of like uh, yeah, district heating, just super, super, super basic. Okay, excellent. Okay, excellent. And um, I, I suppose with the district heating as well, I suppose with being in Amsterdam, where are the uses coming from or where are the future uses coming from? Um, you, you, you're looking at alternative or renewable sources of, of, of heat. Yeah, yeah. So um, within the municipality, which within the government's agenda and plan, they would, or they're aiming rather ambitiously to be natural gas free by 2040. So they want to be completely off natural gas. Um, when you think about the history of the Netherlands, they're They've basically been addicted to natural gas, so they're, they're sat on the the Groningen gas field, so they've been self-sufficient on gas, so they're more or less turning the taps off, and uh, and this means that they're looking for more sustain, sustainable alternatives to heat the city, and uh, and as I said, the the waste incinerator and the gas um, network in the west and the east, they're not completely sustainable. So yeah, as you said, they're looking for alternatives, like for example, waste heat from data centres. Okay. Interesting, because you know data centers are a great one. Because I suppose it's, you know, as a collective, I don't think the, the vast majority, or even you, you're quite 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 a lot of us, really understand enough about data centers. Seeing as well, you know, as we've seen over the last twelve months, how how the online world has kind of <laughs> kind of taken over and consumed us. Um, like, are you able to explain a little bit more about data centers that you mentioned there, Bruce? Yeah. So. Uh, data centers, they basically host like um, cloud services, for example. So like Google, Amazon Web Services, Apple, they all have uh, data centers, which basically process all the data. And, uh, and globally, data centers, yeah, they consume so much electricity. And, uh, and obviously, as you mentioned, so um, people are working from home, everything's switching online. So, yeah, and now data centers consume about, Three percent of total electricity, um, which doesn't sound a lot, um, possibly, but that's 450 terawatt hours of electricity per year. And obviously, you know, the, the the electricity in many countries is still from fossil fuels. So it means that actually there is a large indirect impact from using the internet, for example. 
that's that's quite crazy. Like, because it, it, it's not like one of the normal, you know, you know, appliances that you really think about with the internet. You know, you, if you put on if you put on a microwave, you know it's using power. If you put on an electric heater, you know it's using power. Um, I suppose you know if you're running a TV, but you turn that off. You, I suppose when you're flicking through your phone, you just don't realise what goes on in the background and how it's all. Well, I certainly don't understand how it's all connected, but there's certainly a lot of energy use and in, and in turn a lot of carbon emissions. Um, Definitely, yeah, yeah. And I, I, to be honest, I don't think I can fully grasp like the, the scale of it. So I was listening to a, a BBC podcast the other day, and they were talking about indirect kind of uh, emissions from using, for example, Instagram. Okay. And on uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's profile. The energy to process all his followers, all 250 million of them, viewing just one of his posts, it uses three, sorry, it uses 36 megawatt hours of electricity, which is the equivalent of 10 UK homes per year. And it's, it's crazy. This is just one Instagram post. So of, of one profile of one app and it's using this much electricity. And, uh, and the, yeah, the, I don't know if you know this on Despacito, but, is viewed seven seven billion times on YouTube, and the energy right. consumption used was nine gigawatt hours. So for you know, there's a, a Google data center some some way around the world, and they're processing all these streams, and they use nine gigawatt hours to process all the streaming, and this is equivalent to the consumption of five African countries in a year. So it's on a massive scale. <laughs> well, well. Yeah, that's interesting. So Cristiano Ronaldo, probably going off off track here, but Cristiano Ronaldo, 250 million followers on Instagram. Okay, that's not feeling inadequate, but at least at least with my God knows, I can't I can't have more than two. We could be connected to more than two or three hundred people on it, but um, at least I'm doing better for the environment on Instagram than Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, <laughs> I might I might do better on many other things, but there we go, more wins. Um, yeah, on Spotify as well. That's quite mad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That guy <laughs> probably gets more views on Spotify than me, Bruce. Come on. <laughs> um, okay, that's that's quite crazy. So, so these data centers, and that's what you're. So, what's what's the process then, Bruce? Because obviously, catch capturing heat like these these data centers are massive. You said 450 was it terawatt hours per annum? Yeah, exactly. Globally. That's that's insane, absolutely insane. Um, so what's the uh, the upshot of this? Like how how are these trying to decarbonize or or like you you mentioned about capturing heat? How does how does that work with a data center? Yeah, yeah. So firstly, they most data centers they try and um, buy all their electricity using green certificates. Um, and that's why most of them kind of locate to the Nordics, where, like in Sweden, this, the, the grid is massively decarbonized. So they can, the data center can tell their customers that um, all their data use is green. Um, but with regards to the waste heat, yeah, so, yeah, the, I mean, at the moment, most data centers, they use like an air cooling system where they, that they're very efficient, where they basically transfer or exchange the heat from the, um, the heating up of the servers with the outside air. Basically, they they just throw away the heat in in really really simple simple terms. And so, in order to capture the heat, we do need to make like investments into the data center to capture the heat. So, heat exchanges, pipes, circulation pumps, like wires, like smart controls, 
in order to capture the heat. Um, and yeah, so that's a significant or can be a significant investment in itself. And it kind of it goes to sort of one of the challenges that's happening across Europe is um, in this kind of like really niche field is um, yeah. who invests in the in in the in this investment into the data center. So and it kind of it's a challenge like the business modeling the system. So the data center um, has to make changes to its business in order to capture and deliver the heat to a heat network. So it's not just a simple, you know, connect a, a pipe to the data center and there you go, there's the heat. It's a really complex system. And often data centers, data center operators are quite reluctant to um, navigate this process because it can upset their, their routine business. And yep. um, yeah, so that's one of the challenges. And then to, up, to actually use the heat, once you've captured it, you generally need to upgrade it with a heat pump and uh because for example the, the data centers that i was looking at in the west of amsterdam they produce waste heat at about 25 degrees 25 30 degrees so it's it's really low temperature really low grade waste heat it's not applicable directly so you need to boost it with a heat pump and this can be generally on very large scales so um you know heat industrial heat pumps over one megawatt um pretty serious like serious bits of kit but um but anyway, so that's what you do. You, you boost the boost the waste heat um, to a more kind of appropriate temperature um, for the consumers in the in the heat grid. So it, it really has it's 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 not just a like a like a, a plug and sell the heat. It's 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 yeah. quite complex, and, it, and that's and it's, it's the complexity at the moment, which is sort of challenging the wider uptake. Like in Amsterdam, there's only one example of uh, a data center supplying its waste heat and um and, and there are at least 40 or 50 data centers in amsterdam and this data center which is supplying its heat it's it's um it's the nikef data center in amsterdam science park and there it's really low scale like the data center is less than 500 kilowatts it's it's really small um and they're supplying their heat to like a, a student apartment block but it's just one example and uh and if you look at the wider amsterdam area there's there's huge potential, but it's just slight things which are challenging uptake of this uh, of this technology to decarbonize the the heat networks. Okay, so so you mentioned obviously from 25 degrees, and you mentioned earlier on, did you say about um, that that these were normally you know, the, that the heat was normally transferred around 90 degrees? Was it that it was from 90 the drops has a temperature drop down to 70 along exactly. the system. So okay. So you're stepping it up from 25 upwards, less losses, putting that into other terms. It's kind of like the whole, you know, putting it into energy terms. It's kind of like when it's been stepped up to go onto the transmission network from a distribution network and it's stepped down again. Um, so that, that's actually super interesting. And, and, and I suppose, you know, what's the, you're tying all this together and you said that people are, you know, who who is responsible, you know, how how do how do how do we overcome that? Where's the where's the business model from this like for this in the future coming from, Bruce? Yeah, so in in Stockholm, for example, they have well the the district heating company. I think they're called Fortum Farme. Um, I'd have to check it. Out. Definitely Fortum. Um, they they've made a open district heating network, which essentially means that um, they use a cooling as a service business model, which basically okay. means that um, 
data centers can connect to that Fortum's district heating network and they pay Fortum uh, for the cooling energy um, that they receive back from the grid and they supply their waste heat to the grid. So it's kind of a, a two-way okay. process. And I think that's something maybe worth clarifying, that when the data center connects to a heat network, um, they're not just supplying the waste heat, but they're also getting cooling energy back from the network on the return okay. line, for example, So it's and which can reduce the electricity costs of the data center. Because, I mean, if you think some of, like, for example, the data center that I was looking at in Amsterdam West, it's a five-megawatt data center, and they operate, you know, 24-7, So they're consuming a huge amount of electricity. So they're always looking to reduce their OPEX costs, like their electricity, for example. So there, there is definitely a, and you, you, you're talking about how to overcome the kind of business model challenge. Well, it's definitely to emphasize that it can be a win-win situation between the data center and the heat company, and also the city who have kind of sustainability goals. So it's, it's to really emphasize the, the mutual interests that can be, yeah, can be realized. Okay. All oh, right, so so that's 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 actually quite interesting. It's definitely a two-way street, and that's because uh, probably thinking further ahead, a lot of these data centers, it's going to be stricter on planning permission to include um, all of these your, your heat, heating different heating networks in future plans. Um, obviously, there's a lot, and you know, I, I think it's safe to say that data centers are here to stay. Um, that that's I don't want to call them a problem. They're not certainly not a but but they're they're going to be a big a big challenge. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly it to stay, like you said, um, but it's it's about recognizing also that they produce, they not only consume so much electricity, like we, we discussed earlier, but they also produce so much waste heat. So they're, in kind of simple terms, they're, they're pretty inefficient. They throw away so much energy out that it, it really kind of doesn't make sense to not use that, that waste heat and apply it. Um, but in Amsterdam, for example, the yeah you mentioned um, like the planning, um, it got to an extent to such an extent in Amsterdam where they actually they banned all not banned but they placed a, a halt on all new data center developments for a year because it it kind of got out of hand the the development of data centers and data centers in Amsterdam they consume something like 15%, 15, 20% of The electricity in the city or the equivalent electricity so it's it's a huge burden on the on the on the distribution network and the and the dso the, the distribution system operator they, they they just said no we, we we need to we need to stop and we need to reassess uh, the situation because it, it got out of hand and uh, and now data centers any new data center that's built um is obliged to deliver their waste heat to the to, to a district a district heating network um which certainly makes a lot more a lot more sense and it's about using like carrot and stick policies like um using laws to um to promote data center efficiency and to really encourage data center operators to supply the waste heat but also um yeah and, and using subsidies for example like the government is and not only the national government but also the regional government is looking at um you know ways that they can promote data center waste heat uh, for example using subsidies to really um kind of catalyzed or really give it a kickstart this um this technology all oh, right excellent because i i definitely hold my hands up don't know enough about data centers i know 
I think I've heard, I've read before Iceland was a popular place. I know back in Ireland they're obviously um, been a big thing for for a few years now, and even even coming back into the news recently. Uh, but like it, it seems to be phenomenal sizes and putting a lot of again I'm not going to say constraint on the grid, but it's going to be a big challenge for the grid to deal with in a you know a relatively small country like Ireland as well. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't have the facts and figures for them over there. I don't, I don't know if that's something that you you'd have, Bruce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean Ireland. Um, it's, it's, I think in the future, it's, and if not already, it's going to be like a data center hub, uh, for kind of all this, uh, data center technology. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was looking that there's this institute called the Uptime Institute and they, they were looking at the impacts on the, on the distribution network of Ireland. And they yeah. found that in nine years time, so in 2030, Data centers alone will consume, I think it was up to 20, 27 or 28% of Ireland's entire electricity. And other estimates put it close to 40%. Wow. So, yeah, it's on a huge, huge scale. And if, I think that the, you may know this, I'm, I'm not too certain on this, but the, the grid in Ireland, it's still quite fossil fueled. I mean, there's, there's more wind coming online in the next 10 years, but at the moment it's still quite, Carbonized, is that right? Absolutely. I think they're starting to look at closing down some of the um, the peat burning facilities, which are obviously heavy uh, heavy on the carbon side. But nicely, yeah, a lot of wind. Um, I don't know the full full details, but I know I know a lot of it is gas at the moment as well. There's quite a few gas schemes over there, heavily aligned. Um, but that's that's quite amazing because 28 percent, 28 to 40 percent is kind of the estimated increase just from data centers. Um, on, it kind of, yeah, that's that's quite mad. Sorry, I'm a little, I'm a little bit shocked by that actually. Um, but not surprised because I, I knew it was a big thing over there. Just didn't realize how big. But on a grid that's already you know, not performing very well on well performing quite well, but a long way to go to reach any net zero targets. And that's and that's, that that um, difference is only going to get bigger. Um, it kind of, <laughs> in a very strange way. Okay, bear with me on this, but um, it kind of reminds me when I was a young lad when I was playing rugby and uh, I wanted to bulk up. You know, I was you know wasn't the whole five foot eight of me needed needed a bit of filling out. So I, so I wanted to bulk up. On and I remember a few people were trying to give me advice, sensible advice, and telling me that I should get fit first because I got like, no interest in that part. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of like Ireland's is, is kind of operating on very similar principles. They're, they're trying to bulk up without leaning out the grid and, and increasing the renewable aspect first. They're, they're just going to make their renewable target even bigger. Um, like if they're already coming up far short now on their targets, paying the penalties for their carbon emissions and not hitting renewable targets, this is just like if we took it that their renewable target is going to Increased by forty percent. That is huge, absolutely huge, and that's yeah, really shocked me. Definitely, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, for example, um, I, I know I, I think I sent it to you the, the the Channel Four Dispatches documentary. That's it's right. Never, yeah, there, there's a new data center park on the outskirts of Dublin, and they were talking about the the, the burden on the grid, and a, they had like an IT infrastructure expert on the on the program, and they were talking about how the install capacity of this new data center park could be in the region of 400 megawatts. And if you look at the peak, um, 
electricity demand in the city of Dublin. It's something it's something around 400 megawatt hours. Um, so it's it, that that shows you like the scale. And uh, and yeah, like you said, I mean, it's kind of bulking out, you know, the, the, the bulking out. Yeah, yeah, on the data centers, they're bulking out and they're they're growing, but without kind of the necessary like investments in the in the grid. So and that's the social cost as well. Like that's just going to cost more potentially uh, down the line or kind of investments in demand side management and flexibility, which is, you know, kind of a, a reaction to the to the burden. That is massive, but 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 that's four hundred megawatts, and that's going to be like a constant load as well. It's not like it, it'll just kick in whenever the sun is shining or the wind is blowing. Um, so yeah, that that's a lot, a lot of renewables, or that's a lot of generation, regardless of where it's coming from. Four hundred megawatt is mammoth, absolutely mammoth. But that's wow. There's going to be there's going to be challenges all the way down the line. Um, but it's 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 very interesting how it all connects. Um, obviously, the district heating at the, at the very, you know, removing from the data centers, which are obviously going to be heavy energy users. So that, that that's going to need further infrastructure and renewable export and all that. But I suppose, you know, maybe I've got the wrong end of the stick here, Bruce, but in a very weird way, are we able to say that Cristiano Ronaldo posting on Instagram is going to help people benefit um, from their from their district heating if, if they're living in Amsterdam? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny you should say that. So, there a similar project happened in the city of Odense in Denmark, and basically there was a big Facebook data center, and they were supplying the the, the waste heat, I think, to like five five or six thousand homes. Right. So, um, it was a huge, huge project. And yeah, I read I read a quote from the from the mayor, and he was talking about how you know residents in Odense they know that the next time they use Facebook. It, it's you know heating there, or at least partially, <laughs> t- a tiny, tiny little bit heating their homes. <laughs> oh damn! They got they got there before me. Before me. <laughs> yeah. All oh, right, that's 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 mad. That is mad. So that talk about logging on and and that is yeah, it's very strange. I wouldn't have wouldn't have seen all this coming, but it's it, it's it's slowly creeping up on us all. I suppose this is an area I just wouldn't have known about, Bruce. So really do appreciate. You know, you're, you're coming on and, and explaining it. I'm sure a lot of people will will learn a lot from this. You know, I, I know I certainly have. It's really opened my eyes. Um, is there is there any other is there any other facts that you're able to share with us on on, on this side? I'm not putting on the spot here, by the way. You know, <laughs> ten, ten facts minimum, Bruce. Please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was worried I'd sound like a robot just reading off these facts. No, not but, at um... all. Not at all. If you have any, if you have any there that, that you're able to explain to us, that'd be great. Yeah. So I was looking at. Yeah, during my master thesis, I was looking at um, a kind of a small project in Amsterdam West. It was basically a, a future low energy settlement, so super low energy buildings, really efficient. And just next door was a data center, about a okay. five megawatt data center. So my project was looking at the feasibility, both like the technical and uh, the economic kind of feasibility, viability of of using the waste heat in this low energy district. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I kind of looked at, I modeled the, the energy system to look on like an hourly basis to understand how much of the future heat demand on an hourly basis could feasibly or theoretically really be met by this data center. And kind of using the model, it kind of suggested that over at least 6,000 hours could be, 6,000 heat demand hours could be, could be met by the data center. 
Um, but but it's kind of it's, it's a balance really. So we need to use electricity to firstly capture the the, the data center waste heat. So for example, from the heat pumps. And at the moment, the the Dutch electricity network is still really carbonized. And uh, for example, I was looking at the the Dutch figures. There's kind of a, a live um, in real time, the live kind of update of the grid. Yeah. And at the moment in 2020, in 2020, it's 580 grams of CO2 per kilowatt hour. And I think, Kian, you'll, you'll know this better than me, but the, the, the UK grid at the moment, it's a lot less than that, isn't it? It's, it's something like 250, 300 grams. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Don't, don't quote me. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's 253 was the last one. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Put you on the spot there. Yeah. But what it means is basically, um, using more electricity could actually produce um, more indirect emissions than the existing alternative. So it's about a careful balance of um, using the existing heat assets like the waste incinerator, for example, but also um, um, injecting more and more data center waste heat as the grid yeah. becomes more decarbonized. So as it makes more environmental sense to to use the waste heat. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many um, kind of hurdles which which can be overcome, but the, the, there are a lot of challenges beyond kind of just technical challenges. So we mentioned before about the business model, uh, but at the moment there's still uncertainty about how a data center will actually sell its heat. So what's the tariffing structure? Um, what's the price of heat the data center produces and uh, and sells? And uh, and yeah, like I said, we need a we, there needs to be an investment in the data center itself. To actually even begin capturing the waste heat, and I mean, kind of from the the articles and the and the the, the previous studies, they talk about how there's a, a missing kind of business um, business logic between the data center and the heat company. So it's not that they can't understand each other's businesses, but it's just the fact that a data center is not a heat company, and a heat company perhaps can't understand the data center's business. So there's kind of a a missing like. Um, connection between the two and uh, and that's where kind of the government kind of uh, fits in to this because they can offer subsidies for example i mentioned the internal investment in the data center for example the government could um could offer subsidies to overcome this investment and to really get the project off the ground uh, but there's so many like uh, uh, positives of using the waste heat from data centers firstly it, it can improve the efficiency of data centers it can you know, improve the sustainability of the heat networks, um, and uh, and generally uh, contribute, yeah, to a more sustainable heating system in in not just Amsterdam but also proven in other case studies, for example, in Denmark, Sweden, Germany. So yeah, there's certainly lots of kind of small um, technical, financial, regulatory, um, and also business modelling challenges, but there's also certainly um, kind of many positives of capturing the waste heat and delivering it. Okay, that, 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 that's pretty cool actually, because this is this is really going like this is really going quite deep, and and, and it's just also interesting just to you know, kind of just 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 to remember where heating fits in and all this, because I think I think a lot of the press and a lot of the headlines normally focuses on you know the power sector being decarbonized, um, which is great. You know, we we all love seeing. Um, you know, a, wind, a new wind farm come online, you know, solar and hopefully some marine technology soon. 
um, which is which is great. And it's you know we've seen such a drop off in coal plants shutting down across Europe. You know the UK hasn't got many left now, but people keep forgetting about you know, you know the carbon is not all. We're not going to reach zero carbon through just uh, decarbonizing the electricity grid. You know there's also heating, which we're talked about um, today. And there's also transport and industry as well. So it's those kind of four bits. I think a lot of them, probably heating, probably gets a doesn't get the same. It doesn't get the same press, I suppose, or the same time in the press. So people talk about that um, and the whole decarbonisation strategy. So it's interesting to hear this side. And in a way, you know, a lot of people talk about heating. Um, there's been new developments now about electrifying. Obviously, with the what you said there about the UK grid decarbonizing um it's quite it's quite interesting in a way because the district heating scheme is is kind of like the electrification of a of, of a heating system but just on a much much bigger scale um try to take a little bit left field on it there but that's not it's pretty fascinating stuff and yeah i'm actually absolutely like extremely amused by all this bruce so yeah I, i'm is there is there any is there any other is there any other stuff you'd like to, to make people aware of that's out there um, yeah, but well, firstly, I, I totally agree with you about the challenge of decarbonizing heat. Firstly, yeah. it's like yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's not quite the the elephant in the room, but it's. Um, I remember when I first started my my master, and uh, I was speaking to, you know, kind of colleagues on the on the master, and they were talking about how heating is not sexy. Like it's yeah. kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of brushed under the carpet. Like people, I mean, you we talk about um, electricity, you know, all the you know the wind capacity coming online, solar, for for example. But heating is kind of it's yeah swept under the carpet to an extent. It's it's kind of not um, it, yeah maybe overlooked, for example. But yeah, like we said at the start, um, let me just find the fact. Yeah, fourteen percent, fourteen percent of total emissions from um, or 40% of our total emissions in the UK is from space heating, domestic homes. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a massive challenge. And it's, um, and like we said, electrification, that's certainly like one way to go. Um, particularly in the UK where we have, you know, a, a really like rapidly decarbonizing grid. Yeah. Certainly after we like switch all the, the, the coal off. But in the Netherlands, it's slightly different. It's about 10 years behind the UK. So that's another challenge where they maybe don't have um, all the tools and levers to, to uh, at their disposal, or they maybe have to delay, for example, until the the network is decarbonized. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It's gonna it's gonna be a big challenge, the decarbonizing heat. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're talking about the district heating schemes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a confession here here, Bruce. Um, I did I did go on to Wikipedia, so I got some facts from there, um, but. It seemed it seemed like yeah it was, it was quite interesting like I saw, I saw just a bit on Denmark about like this so they had 440 district heating networks and that was 60 percent of houses were connected 99 percent of houses in Copenhagen it's just it's just mad um sorry sorry if you've already <laughs> explained this to me but it takes a while for penny to drop but 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 a lot of this kind of stemmed from the oil crisis in the 1970s it mentioned so it's it's, it's come a long way and. You know, it's probably been been overlooked for many years, but there's certainly a big future in it. There's no doubt about it. You know, and, and it's probably a cultural thing. Um, 
I, I just wonder how to get this into the UK. I, I don't know how many district heating schemes there are in the UK. Um, I don't know if you if you if you if you if you know. Don't want to put you on the spot here. No, sorry, uh, I don't know off the top of my head. But it's it's way behind. Know. It's way behind, like the Nordics, Nordic countries. I, I'd expect it to be, but it's just how do you how do you change? How do you, is, is it a mindset? Is it a, is it is it government policy? Who knows? But yeah, hopefully. Hopefully in the not too distant future we'll see a lot more of these. I know there's a few starting to pop up more, more and more here, here more and more of them down in London, um, even up in Manchester. So who knows? But definitely, definitely um, learned a lot from that, Bruce. And I have to thank you so much. Um, is there anything? Is there anything you want to say before we finish up? No. Uh, We've got to, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I mean I've I've reeled off all the like you said. I've, bashed wikipedia and just <laughs> facts so but yeah no, that's yeah that's everything for me yeah thanks for having me on Paul. really really enjoyed it no worries bruce thanks again for joining us um and to everyone else all the best and take care cheers game thank you no worries.